Broadcasting from the Hair Saloon corporate offices, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives regarding men, women, sex, and love. Today on the show, we're going to talk with Gina Arnold about how to live a family-focused life. Like so many other women, Gina grew up with all the usual trappings of feminism as it worked its way into her psyche. We're going to talk with Gina about how she ultimately chose a different life for herself and how other women can be inspired to listen to their gut when mapping out their futures. And a couple of quick announcements. This year, I'm rolling out a plan to take the Suzanne Venker Show to the next level. My goal is not only to keep the show commercial free, but to continue to provide you with incredible guests and ramp up promotion in order to expand the reach of the show. In order to do this, I'm going to begin accepting donations from listeners. Whether you're able to donate $5, 20 or $50 per month, your donations will go straight to funding this mission for my podcast. We're also now taking call-ins, so if you'd like to leave a voicemail with a question or a comment for me, which I may read and respond to on the podcast, call 314-391-8988. That's a free call to 314-391-8988. For information on both Patreon and the call-ins, go to SuzanneVenker.com slash podcast. And now a quick shout-out to Kim and Kimberly for becoming Patreon subscribers. There's several different tiers that people can sign up for, and if you sign up for certain ones, you get shout-out on the show. So thank you very much, Kim and Kimberly. Appreciate it. Are you a woman who knows she wants to get married and have a family more than anything else, but you're hesitant to tell anyone because you fear the responses you'll get from your parents, your friends, or, well, just from about anyone else you tell? There's never been a more challenging time for marriage-minded women who want a simple life devoted to family rather than a full-blown career that takes them away from the home for the majority of their waking hours. Indeed, the conversation about work and family is almost always reduced to having one or the other rather than one as a main priority and the other as more of a side gig. The most recent data from Pew Research shows that 67% of mothers, 67% of mothers with children under 18 prefer either part-time work or none at all. And yet, the messages women get from the culture are decidedly different. Hi, my name is Beth, and I am 26 years old. I've never called myself a feminist, but little did I know I was part of one of their greatest goals, which is to get more women in the workplace. I graduated college with two engineering degrees, and my first job was traveling the United States. I thought it was going to be fun and adventurous, but ultimately I was lonely and feeling empty. I found that employers don't truly care about you, and even when my work was entertaining and my coworkers were friendly, I found that spending all those hours at work was not meaningful at all. So I decided to leave it all behind. I got married, and my husband and I just welcomed our first child, and now I stay home full-time. The feminists tell you that the only way to impact the world is to have a career, but this is simply not true. As a stay-at-home mom, you will have a greater and more lasting impact than you could ever have in the workplace because you are raising the next generation who will then in turn go out and lead and serve our communities and the world. So that was from Beth who had contacted me. um, And I had asked her to tell that story. And then I have another one here from a woman named Teresa who writes, by almost all feminist standards, I was the perfect success story. I rejected the example of beautiful motherhood by my own mother in college and threw myself into local and state politics, eventually having the honor of serving as an intern in the White House and an appointee in a presidential administration after the administration ended. 
I got a great job with a Navy contractor and worked my way up the corporate ladder for almost seven years. It was only after that last position that it dawned on me. I wasn't happy. After living the feminist dream, I was utterly miserable. I bought into the lie of feminism that a career will make you happy when it didn't. And it was only through my Catholic faith that my incredible husband and our first beautiful baby girl and I realized what happiness truly is. That's something that my guest today is going to identify with very much. So I'd like to welcome Gina Arnold. Hi, Gina. Hi. So, Gina, I want you to tell my listeners a little bit how we got together and a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and what the messages you absorbed yourself, similar to what we just heard from these two ladies, were. So I originally reached out to you, uh, having like seen your Twitter page and then going onto your website, and found I found your articles to be very interesting, especially since they, they resonated with me. Um, I was beginning as I was going into Villanova University to start rejecting the way that I was brought up. So I was brought up just outside of New York City and like Westchester County, just a little bit north of that. And it was very much the entire culture is very much pushing you into a certain lifestyle. And I would say this is true for men and women as if there's like no difference in what you would prioritize, which is very much a focus on grades, getting into a good university and then getting a high paying job that often requires a lot of hours. Uh, even just thinking about it, particularly with Villanova, is a lot of my fellow students will go into things like finance and accounting in the big city, which is that's like 100 hours a week as soon as you get out into that. Like this is a huge time commitment. And that's sort of seen as the ideal path. And I would say that I was always very ambitious. I wanted to follow this path. And I wanted to, I really wanted to do like a, a lot of big things. You know, I, was, I mentioned I was planning um, of going into the military if that was an option after high school and then uh, going into the business world and seeing where that would go. And so that was sort of how I was raised. And it was only upon to Villanova uh, University and, um, different experiences I had while dating and then also my Catholic conversion that led me down a totally different path than I would have ever imagined for myself. Yeah. And we're going to come back to that, that Catholic piece, because obviously that was also in the previous gal's note. And so there's a significance to that. And I want to talk about that and how people who are not necessarily going down that route can still wind up in the same boat as far as rejecting the cultural messages. But we'll get back to that. So so what were some of those experiences dating that you that you mentioned? If I was interested in a guy, I would ask him out. I was just so fearless. Like I, I had no fear of rejection. So that was not holding me back. And I had no reason of why you shouldn't do that. Sometimes guys will say, oh, I would totally do that. But then actually, they don't actually usually follow through with that. It's more like with they'll what? say one thing with, with, with continuing to date you after having done that. Um, or it just frequently doesn't, it just doesn't work out, but I wasn't sure why. And right. I was like, oh, it's just not working out with these particular guys, not realizing this is like a pattern of behavior. Um, and also I would get this feedback, especially with um, the, one of my uh, guy friends who I went on two dates with before I met my fiance. He even gave me that feedback that, you know, you're very sort of intense and severe and like you're very, you know, you're like, and you're high achieving and everything. And like, it's awesome. And we stayed friends, but like, that just wasn't for him. And that was fine. But I was just like, wow, maybe I need to like, think about my approach a little bit more. And that definitely impacted how I was feeling about it. Once again, like, it was just, I was approaching it exactly how I was like with my career of just being 
super proactive when you yeah. can still be proactive without doing it in this so, way. So you were probably then when I came along it was probably I would imagine the part because I talk so much about being you know, having one set of skills for the workforce and then another for your relationship and how you cannot just carry for, carry over from what you're doing during the day to, yeah, so that's probably what you hit upon there. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, because that's huge. And again, it's new, right? I mean, young people do not, this is new information. And with respect to your being in the Northeast, I, I can certainly identify with that, having spent many years up there. And yep. um, I was always out of step with um, the people around me because I was raised very differently and I'm from the Midwest. And there's no question that there's a difference between Midwestern values <laughs> and Eastern values yep. <laughs> or up East. I mean, it's there really are night and day. Um, I don't hear much about that, actually. I think that's like a whole podcast in and of itself. But anyway, so you said I know you said that your parents' relationship was not traditional. So how explain that and tell me, despite the fact that you had a you were raised in a conservative household. Yeah, so despite the fact they are politically conservative, they just probably appeared more progressive from the outside in that my mom worked full-time for IBM. She still does. She's been an IBMer all this time. And she was going, when I was born, she was still going into the office because they didn't have the option of telecommuting. So she was going into the office. And my dad had recently sold his pet store, and which he owned. He's, he owned his own business. It was a really cool business. But he he came and he stayed at home and raised me when I was like in pre preschool age and my brother as well. And since he's been doing that, he's been working different like part-time jobs. Like he's done, he's a personal trainer at a fancy gym, which is cool. But like my mom is the breadwinner. Um, so that was sort of how I was raised. Do you ever think about whether or not you're being happy? Cause we've talked again about this and we'll, we'll get into this some more about how you're, you were just solely in your masculine core all the time and that that's what you've sort of learned as a result of dating that you need to move away from if you want the relationship to work well with a man um do you think that had something to do with being raised primarily by your father as as a young person or no it could have been also i would say it's like my my biggest role model growing up was my grandfather so like and i saw him frequently so like i probably saw him like at least like two to three times a month so like we were not not close he Mm -hmm. was also he was in armonk new york um so yeah so like he was my biggest role model even more so than my parents as far as like who i identified with and he was you know very much like he was a leading businessman who you know made it for himself and like that was sort of like the values that i but i guess i think my parents made a difference too and men have told me that too actually like oh your parents do that that makes so much sense now like i'll be like oh Oh, funny about it that way yeah but they've said that to me Mm -hmm. that is interesting so when did you know that you wanted a different life than the one you were groomed to adopt and i know we didn't really get into what you were groomed to adopt but if you want to explain that first that's good and then how you switched gears Yes. So I feel like it was probably a whole bunch of different things. I mean, it was definitely like the pressure I I got from my grandparents and my parents, which was very much to to succeed in school, which is good. I mean, like you should encourage everyone to do that. But like it was so that you could go on and do all these like great things, which is great because once again, I was achieving at a very high level. So I can understand why Mm -hmm. they were encouraging me. So Mm -hmm. that was sort of like within the most immediate household. Um, and then at the same time, then you get the, you get the options of if like becoming something like a housewife would be seen as a hit in my status, I yes, guess. Right. For example, it, like if you, for example, if you graduate in the top 10 of your class, you usually don't stay home. 
I'm laughing. You know, like, I'm I'm sorry. I'm thinking of my daughter who's she was like you and people expected her to go out and do something huge and she's actually going to be an education major and teach elementary school. Yeah. And people yeah. are like, "What? You're going to do what?" I know. And it's just like uh, it's like so kind of sad and it's also like shouldn't you want high status people working as an elementary school teacher for instance? I like, know. I know. I know. It really shows that the shift in values because nobody would have been told that uh, I mean, a woman anyway, 40 years ago, of course, that's... Yeah, like that wasn't a valuable thing to be doing, but of course it is. Of course it is. And of course, most women do it. And it is a traditionally female role, so there's that piece to it. But just just from the other angle of thinking that, well, because you're so smart, you shouldn't be teaching young people. I'm very lost. (laughs) Anyway, I go ahead. Yeah, so it's sort of like, it it seems like it wasn't going to be an option for... Like, even I was thinking, like, I once again, I have this very much this is just my personality and it came across i was even thinking about it like i was voted like most likely to, most likely to succeed in uh high school so i definitely gave off this like aura of like i'm accomplishment going places or, yeah to, yeah and um yeah so it's sort of like it's interesting in that if i was to not do that that was that was very much a, a block of just like i can't imagine not doing this but at the same time once again i i mentioned that through my Catholic conversion was definitely an influence of me wanting to think more about my vocation. Since once again, within a Catholic understanding vocation, it's either religious life, the the single life or the married life. It's understood relationally, not what you're doing to make money. Like that's not, it's not how you sell your labor is how you understand vocation in the Catholic church. So So I was thinking about it that way. So let's go ahead and talk about that Catholic piece to this and how that connects to your, um, change in I don't want to say change in values I don't know your shift in priorities let's call it that yeah definitely a shift in priorities um I would say so I came into Villanova I was pretty much a decided atheist at that time like by by the end of high school I was just like that because I was I was starting to read things I was starting to like investigate um philosophically and but then once I got to Villanova I had some of the best instruction in my life I have to say that I'm really impressed with their um their ACS program, which is an Augustine uh, course that everyone takes, as well as their philosophy and uh, humanities um, programs. So anyway, so as I was reading these texts, I was like, well, this might be true. And if it's true, I might need to examine the way that my life is going. (laughs) So and like and my priorities, because once again, I came into Villanova, I was atheist. And I also my goal was to do well in business school and then go out to Silicon Valley and make it out there. and which was once again that would have probably like I still would have been open to marriage, but like it was just it would not have been a priority. Um, like I wouldn't have been maybe as actively looking, right? And which is not so, yeah. So I was just it, that was my biggest thought at the time. But once again, even as I was converting to Catholicism, I was becoming disillusioned with the business world, and that's most people just want to be in the business world mm-hmm. to work a hundred hours a week and make a ton of money mm-hmm. and it was just like baffling to me because I actually wanted to make like a great product, which is, you know, like I wanted, I actually was interested in the thing itself. Um, but yeah. I didn't want to spend all of my time doing it necessarily. If the point was to make, like, I didn't really identify with the people I was in school with. Right. Okay. So let's shift really quickly. Cause I know you're engaged now. Um, congratulations, by the way, would you say that your shift came after as a result of falling in love with a certain person and then thinking about your life differently as a result of that? Or was it already starting to shift prior to him coming into your life? Um, it was definitely starting to shift a little bit, but it was more dramatic. It sped up when I met uh, Derek. I, it definitely did. Um, in that I was just like, okay, well, 
especially because like it I we you know Catholics are very much open to having large families and like I knew that that would mean that we would have to figure out how we were going to do that and once again I'm not necessarily committing to staying home I don't know like but it's gonna it's a matter of what's gonna work the best for our family and you know we'll have to see how that goes and that's a good point because so much about this conversation that's so frustrating for me is because it's couched in terms of either you're working or you're not there's Mm -hmm. this huge chasm in between those two it's been my life I've lived it and I want to say hey over here over here there's this whole other way to structure your life where it doesn't have to be either or it's about I really like that word priority because I think that's really key it's not about choosing one or the other it's about which one are you going to prioritize and if you go back to what you were saying at the uh, before about being raised to literally just go to school and, and go out into the world, like you said, it's not that it's a bad thing to encourage that. It's that there's this huge missing piece there that needs to be shared with women when they're young to say, hey, look, your body has a, a clock and, a, and this thing that it can do, right? And, and, if it's you, yeah. and it's important. And if you want this other piece to your life, guess what? You're going to have to structure it now so that you can accommodate that what's ultimately going to be a bigger, for most people anyway, the most important thing in their life. So that it's not dropping out altogether forever. It's just simply how are you going to coordinate that and work it in and prioritize it, which is what my message has always been about feel like I have to stop and pause to clarify that when people talk about staying home, like that one gal who called in, she's staying home right now, but she may, she may stay home forever, but she probably won't if she's going to be one of the statistics, which is that most people end up moving in and out of the workforce, most women that is, throughout the course of their lives to accommodate this other thing, which we don't ever hear about this group because all we hear about is you're either at home and you never ever work or you are exclusively in the workforce. So where did you meet your husband? I mean, your fiance. Sorry, I met him through College Republicans. He was, I think, he was, I think, he was the president at the time or the VP. I'm not sure. Um, and then he later became the president. So at that point, I met him through that, and we continued to talk through different political discussion groups on campus. And then I got to know him better through a friend of ours, and uh, yeah, so we started talking that way, and um, we had a lot of conversations about um, all sorts of things. We had a clear sense of each other's values before we were even dating. Um, and he, I didn't realize at the time he was kind of waiting for me to like decide to convert, which was like, I mean, by the time we were talking regularly, I was almost there. Like at that point I was even like, oh, I totally agree with Plato about everything. Meanwhile, like all of that has been synthesized into Catholicism. And like some of my friends were laughing, like you can't just stay believing in Plato and be a Platonist. You need like the the final piece there. And like, so he thought that was really funny, but that was all sort of going on in the background. And that's uh, later when he asked me out. So. And you're so fortunate to have found someone in college. What are your, you know, this is such a hot button issue today, I think, because it's not typical for people to date for the purpose of marrying in college. And what are some of those advantages and what have your friends done in college? How many people do you know who've who've done what you've done versus are sort of like, oh, I'll get married 10 years from now kind of thing? There's relatively few people who totally hold off. So, or like on purpose. So there are some people who totally hold off on purpose because, and those are frequently found in business school and maybe also in engineering school. Yeah. Because they know that they're going to be in New York or somewhere else far away anyway. And also that they're going to be around a ton of people their own age working in finance, accounting, whatever, marketing. So they already know that they're going to be still around people their own age. Mm. So they, they, they can, they can hold off and feel confident doing that. And it's also not going to 
disrupt their career in any way. There's a whole p- bunch of people who just opt out. I think it's not even on purpose. It's like they don't even know what to do. Like they know that they don't want to hook up because that's its own separate thing. That's right. not even the majority of the campus, actually. It's kind of a smaller minority that's actually yeah, just happening. That's what my daughter says too. Yeah, her. not that yeah. many people do that. There's people who just opt out. They're not pay- like it's like it's like they're just it's not a priority. So then it's just yeah. not what they're doing. But it's not an intentional. I'm not going to be doing this. It's more like, well, I've got all this other stuff. I'm leading three clubs. I'm, uh, you know, I'm focusing on my schoolwork. Maybe I'm working. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's just not even on their radar when it's like it should be kind of on your radar. You're, you're in a great environment right now to meet somebody. I know. Like, I know. It's like there's never a, you're just never going to be around that many people of the opposite sex in that environment that is I mean, you just it's just not going to happen once you go into the working world. It's so much harder. It just gets worse after college because 40% of people meet then I think it's now on online or through dating apps. I'm like, oh. which strikes me as like, so most people will even tell you that it's terrible. Like, it's like people don't lie to you about it. It's a terrible experience most of the time. Yes, I have um, heard that. I have heard that. I should do a whole podcast just on online like, dating. It's also like mostly men anyway, so it's not even benefiting the men on it. I don't understand. But, There's like, more men yeah, than so women? On oh yeah oh yeah you should look into that yeah it's like i haven't eight percent on tinder so like it's oh. it's like i don't know it's so strange to me like and that which makes sense though because it's, it's still dangerous like a lot of women mm-hmm. see like the danger elements mm-hmm. and don't want to do that of course um yeah Ugh. yeah so dating on campus i mean that's a whole nother how big is villanova villanova i uh, i think it's like seen as like a mid-sized school i'm not sure how many Per grade, though, I think it's like I want to say like three thousand, but I could be honestly. And it's don't a Catholic. I don't know. It's a Catholic university, right? And do you find that that means <laughs> like what percentage are really faithful <laughs> in terms of being Catholic I mean, versus a not? Public, a very there's very yeah. small amount. Yeah, um, I would say who are like believe in everything the Catholic Church says and like is practicing. And there's other people who are practicing and then that and that they go to mass every week. But then still, and then there's people who are nominally Catholic, and then there are people who aren't Catholic at all. So there's probably like four segments, with the smallest being people who are very devout. So okay, so let's so let's let's remove the Catholic piece from this conversation. And I have two questions. One is, do you think you would have come to this conclusion without that? Which I know that's kind of hard to answer because you don't know because that's not what happened. But also, also for those of you, for those of your friends, for example, who aren't Catholic and who aren't religious what can they do to come to the same sort of conclusion about these priorities without that? Right. So like, I w- I think that I actually would have come to very similar thinking about this partially because I was not willing to do like, I never bought like the feminist thing about like casual sex at all. Mm-hmm. Like that just struck me as like, once again, it struck Stupid. me as dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, Stupid. like it's just dangerous yeah. at like multiple levels. Yep. Uh, and I'm definitely grateful for my parents. De- they definitely instilled that in me. Of like, this is a bad idea. Like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> good. Like, this is not yeah. good. Um, and also, so then I was already I I was called a prude before, so I was like, okay, well. And then it was almost like the the Catholic piece about being careful with that was appealing to me actually more than anything else. Like, I, and I was like, well, I can't let that be the reason for my conversion. Once again, it took me two years of study, but like that was actually appealing to me. Um, so you mean I that it gave you a home for those beliefs? Is that yeah, what you mean? Okay. For example, where, exactly. Cause it would have been a much harder to explain to a guy. Yeah. I see. Oh, I of, see. Like, yeah. Especially oh, like, okay. Like I don't want to be doing it. Like I just met you. Like, can you understand where I'm coming from with this? Like, 
It's so unfortunate because we've done this to ourselves, we meaning women, because men would never have even thought 30, 40, 50 years ago to ask slash expect sex on the first date. And now it's flipped to such a degree where they actually think there's something weird about you if you don't. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, so I already knew. And that was like, I feel like once again, I was always like, I ended up because I always met these men that I was interested in in more conservative spaces anyway, they're usually more accommodating of that, I think, as an idea. Like, I wasn't too worried about that. Um, But, yeah, so, like, that was a factor. I think that I would have come down a similar path even if I didn't convert. I think that that definitely would have happened. Although, I think it would have been harder to find a good guy. Like, I feel like a lot of the the really great guys tend to be somewhat religious, so yeah yeah and of course if if it if if you graduated from college and gone out into the world it might have taken five more years you know to to, right because the pool is so it's not concentrated there on campus the way you had it Mm -hmm. yeah so what kind of what kind of messages or advice would you give to someone who says they you know they think like you but they're just not catholic or they're not religious when you got married things were perfect. You were both in love and life was good. Then somewhere along the line, everything changed. She changed, or maybe he did. Either which way, now your relationship feels, well, hard. I coach husbands and wives who feel lonely, disrespected, or misunderstood in their relationship. So many women today are desperate for their husbands to step up to the plate, to make a decision and to stick to it, to lead rather than to follow. Ladies, you have the power to make it happen. Men respond best to women who are grounded in their feminine core. As for husbands, so many of them want their wives to stop nagging and to just trust them, to smile more and to complain less, to look at them the way they did when they were first dating. Men, you have the power to make it happen. Women respond best to men who are grounded in their masculine core. The secret to lasting love rests in the masculine-feminine dance. Once you master it, your relationship will no longer be difficult. You'll be moving with the biological tide rather than against it. And that makes marriage smooth sailing. If you're struggling in your relationship, if you feel frustrated or alone, I can help. Just go to SuzanneBanker.com, that's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-V-E-N-K-E-R.com, and click on the coaching button at the top. Don't wait another minute to acquire the mindset you need to find love and to sustain it. It's so much easier than you think. That's SuzanneBanker.com. What kind of messages or advice would you give to someone who says they, you know, they think like you, but they're just not Catholic or they're not religious? Right. So I would say that, like, you should just be like if you're in college if you're college age you should just like be aware that there are guys who probably also feel the same way and that you do and like you need to like kind of put yourself out there in some way i'm like an advocate for like joining clubs that have men in them like you know there's sometimes women will just join clubs that are like sororities which is like that's not honestly it's not always a wonderful way of meeting guys you can meet guys if they if they're connected with a frat but there's other groups that naturally there's a connection between the two of them because they're like 50 50 or Mm -hmm. something like that Mm -hmm. it's something that you're interested in that's at least a point of connection and to just like this should be on like something that you can prioritize and it's not regressive to do so it's not regressive to be aware of your surroundings of maybe there's a guy that i'm compatible with while i'm in school yeah and once again it's not regressive to be like it's because once again you're still going to college with an idea of something that you'll do afterwards because you don't know if it'll work out so like it's not like you're going to college with a sole idea of finding your husband like I I also think it's good to get this out right away when you're dating so you don't waste time I think there's a lot of time wasting going on with people who are dating other people that that you could find out way early on whether or not that person's on the same page as you values wise and work and family issues and all of that 
without spending a year falling in love, having sex, trying to disentangle yourself. Maybe you live with them. That whole thing. A lot of time wasting going on. Derek and I were saying, like, I let him know pretty early on. I'm like, we're going to get engaged within two years. And he understood that, too. Because what would you tell your sisters? Like, would you tell them to wait for a guy for three years, yeah. four years yeah. to, like, propose? You'd, you definitely wouldn't tell them to do that. And he's like, I totally get where you're coming from. And he's like, all right, I'll start saving for a ring then. Like, you know, when it was time. You have to be on the same page that you're dating to get married. And that you're not dating to just use the other person. Definitely. We're going to switch gears a little bit and ask. I'm going to read this, excuse me, email from... A woman named Sam, I think that's short for Samantha, who writes, Hi, Suzanne. I'm a 28-year-old New Yorker recovering feminist and a huge fan of your podcast. (laughs) I know you've touched a lot on this, but I would love it if you talked about um, the harmful psychological effects of feminism on women. I had a couple of personal setbacks in my life happen because of men, and the feminist culture destroyed my ability to cope. The reason why is that I'd had the culture crammed down my throat for so many years so that when these things happened, it was like feminism, feminists saying, see, look, you're a victim. You're the woman oppressed by men. I became very depressed. I actually had trouble getting out of bed every morning. It was hard to get through the, through the day. I'm an emotional person to begin with, and without the feminist narrative, it still would have been tough, but I am positive that it would have been significantly less difficult for me had it not been for feminism. And that's one of the biggest things that I've been sounding the alarm about is that there is absolutely nothing that is positive about that ideology for empowerment there in other words the argument that they empower women or their messages empowering to women is the actual complete opposite it's having you be mired in victimhood so that whenever anything bad happens to you you are you know sad and depressed as opposed to crawling your way out of it and understanding that there's another life out there for you and that you can be happy and that that was just your individual experience that doesn't have to be applied to all men and so on and so forth. So have you seen any of those, any psychological effects like that um, in any of your friends? There's definitely, I feel like this negativity towards men, I'll say that that's definitely present, but I feel like sometimes it's without understanding a man you're seeing is like you're hooking up with him or something and then it doesn't turn into a relationship not blame Mm -hmm. all men then like this is a bad setup for both of you it's like a failure of meeting expectations and there's no communication and it's like this is not what i wanted so don't think that you'll just be able to convince him without saying anything and also you shouldn't this is not probably a guy you even want to convince if he doesn't eagerly want you to be his girlfriend right but i don't know about like a systemic issue with my own friends that i know However, if you look on things like Twitter or something, this is like a common thing. You'll see that like women complaining about men and it's just like so unhelpful. I think that women and men have like, an equal it's- capacity to do evil things. So it's not good to systemically blame them for something that there's some sort of mutual participation in. You said at the beginning that you it took hearing from that guy you knew and were friends with mm-hmm. about your style yes <laughs> coming on too strong or what have you as being sort of the catalyst for your starting to think oh maybe there's a pattern with how I've been with guys all this time that it's really more focused on me being too um, aggressive I guess for lack of a better word um, so how have you begun to change in that regard and what's different about your relationship today from the the men in your past? Well, what I did do is this, I didn't change my personality. Like it's the same personality. Like, cause I feel like that would have been really hard to do and probably disingenuous too. 
but I did change my approach mm-hmm. and I even changed my appearance. Like I, once again, I still had that short bob from when I was planning on going to the military and I didn't <laughs> want to put my hair up. So I just did that instead. So I grew my hair out long. I definitely redid my wardrobe. So it was a little bit more feminine and, I, you know, more heels, things like that. So I felt different too from wearing something different. Once again, the biggest thing was learning when to like be more patient with dating and that like if I'm interested in a guy like I can still make it clear to him without just saying it directly so that gives him time to think about it yes and very to important. Feel like he's making that decision you know yeah. like I'll say that to like my girlfriends give it two months like which is what I say for a college campus it might be different and see if he's going to ask you out and then at that point you can move on emotionally or only then maybe ask him out if he's really shy and then move on. It's fascinating, isn't it, how they don't know. I mean, they literally don't know that men are supposed to pursue and women, you know, on the receiving end of that. They've never heard that. So they don't see what's wrong with switching it up and going the other way or because they think they're equal. That doesn't matter who pursues who until they're on the receiving end to see what that feels like. And of course, a lot of them will say, well, even if I don't do anything, the men won't. So I don't know if you had a lot of experience with seeing that men are passive and not taking. Once again, not with a lot of the guys that I'm particularly close to, but I know so many who are like this. I'm like, your competition is just other men and they're all like this. It's so easy to get a leg up on other men because (laughs) none of them will do anything. It is. I know. They'll stand out. Like Even Derek would say that because like, He had, before we started dating in the beginning, he had this bad experience with his ex-girlfriend, but because of the bad experience, it almost made him like fearless. He's like, I'm not going to be concerned about rejection anymore. Like the worst outcome with the way that whole relationship went was so bad. It can't get worse than that anyway. Right. And he was willing to just ask me out so quickly. Whereas that actually is more rare than you think it would be. I Yes, I've heard this a lot, a lot. So that if you, you know, tell women you, you don't pursue, they'd say, well, I'll just be sitting here forever because they won't do it either. So yeah. it's definitely affected both sexes to suggest that we're all the same and nobody needs, there, there's not a, a process here that you need to go through that is natural and normal. I've talked to guys and they're afraid of coming across as creepy. I'm like, you probably aren't. Like if it's someone you, you know pretty well, like, that's like a strange fear to have but maybe that is well also from that's the culture this. we've given them we're very anti-male we're very you know masculinity is bad i mean if you've been told that forever you you also wouldn't want to uh, yeah this concern uh, of just being seen as like too forward or something yeah, but yeah so just to circle back to the whole concept of uh, family first all of these things that we're talking about are sort of tangential to that but they're related because they really have to do with leading a more feminine life right leading a life that is true to your being as a woman and rather than trying to stuff yourself into some pre, you know, this, this idea that the culture has for you, that this is how your life has to be led. And it's, it's, it saddens me because it's very difficult for people to go against the culture. So it used to be automatic that you would, you know, pay attention to what your needs are as a woman, but now it's taboo. So what advice would you give to a young woman whose life goals are counterculture with the work and family thing uh, as she's, I don't know, from like 18 to 25, trying to plan it all out or figure it out? I mean, you want to be in the vicinity of the type of man that you would like to marry. And you would want... <laughs> in the vicinity <laughs> of, I love it. Yeah. Particularly if you want to marry, like, say, like, maybe like a guy in the military, it's maybe a good idea to go to a school with an ROTC unit, like mm-hmm. Villanova or Penn. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a good idea to go there. But once again, and you can always have like, you know, once again, you don't know if you're going to meet your, your guy in college. 
do your studies. Don't not prioritize that. Keep that as a priority. I think you should try to be in the vicinity of the type of guy that you'd be interested in. And when you go on dates, make it clear of what your priorities are pretty early on. And you don't have to like slam it down and start you want to get married right away, but just this is why I'm dating. These are the expectations. It's not going to be a hookup deal. It's not going to be friends with benefits. Like this will be real dating with a end in sight. And I think people and people are afraid of that. They think you're well, you're dating. You're supposed to be very trepid and you don't want to say what you're really thinking about what you're hoping for. And of course, meanwhile, you're sitting there thinking it and hoping for it anyway. You might as well just be honest about what it is you're looking for. There's no harm in, in putting on the table what your purpose, like you said, is of of being with this person, uh, for, you know, um, and, and I think that would come through really quickly if you, you know, going back to what I was saying about wasting time, you, it, it may feel uncomfortable to you, but you're doing yourself a disservice by not doing that because you're going to end up going through cycling through more people than you need to, if you could just be more, you know, on the up and up about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then just recognizing that it's really the people that, in my opinion, do not follow the culture who end up winning out in the end. Of course, we don't hear from them as much, which is part of the reason I'm doing this particular podcast is because I want people to hear from people who are not following the culture and how it's working out for them. I think that's extremely important. The idea of prioritizing family, that's also a masculine ideal in that like you're prioritizing work so that you can provide for a family, which is interesting in that like Derek has been so praised for getting engaged young. He was 23 at the time when, when he proposed, and I was 22. Until they met Derek, they were like, oh, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Yes. And then I'm sure it's going to be the exact same way when we have our first kid. So proud of him for being a father young and, and responsible and making all this money. But it's going to be like, oh, well, are you sure he wants to say it? <laughs> That's like, I just already anticipate all Yeah, this. We're fine. That just shows you how much feminism has gotten into the culture to such a degree. People don't call it that. They don't even realize that what they're they don't realize that they're saying that and thinking that because they've been acculturated to think that you have a lesser life if you're not creating an income. I mean, the value shift has been so deep that they don't, they don't think it through and follow through to how did that begin? Because it wasn't this way 30 years ago. This is all new, really relatively new. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a great conversation, Gina. I really appreciate your coming in and getting um, in touch with me. I thought, I thought it was just very important to have people hear from people like yourself and how different your life can be if you are willing to think outside the box. We need more Genas. It's been great talking to you. You take care of yourself and good luck. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to tune in next week when we talk with Rose Skeeters, a psychologist from Pennsylvania who's horrified at the APA's war on masculinity and who believes that emasculation of men is hugely destructive to our society. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook where we've set up a private group that you can join. Just type in the Suzanne Benker Show in the Facebook search bar and you'll find it. And if you have a question or a comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.